throne of grace. Let us find mercy here and grace to help us in our time of need. We need you so much, Lord. We need you. Oh, do we need you. We're more and more aware of it every day that we live. Thank you, Lord, for the walk of faith. I thank you, Lord, that you've taught us and teaching us how to use our faith for your glory and for our benefit and for our purposes here on earth. So we thank you for that, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and praise God. Amen and amen again. So yesterday we started, faith is a walk. It's not a jump, it's not a leap, and it's not a sprint. It's a walk. Amen. And so when you think about faith, think about the relationship that we have with God. It is a faith relationship. It starts in faith and it ends in faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, our common faith, what we all as believers commonly believe. And so this faith we can share with one another because it's the same faith. See, it's, it's not like if, if something is happening in my life, I can't share that with any other believer and they get benefit from it. See, it's not a, a special faith for special people. It's a common faith. Amen. It's precious, but it's given, uh, out as a, a blessing to God's people, uh, so that we can live, you know, um, anything that pertains to life comes to us by faith. We can live, we can live in a, um, a manner that's pleasing to God. So when you use your faith, you please God. That's one good thing about it. Amen. As long as you're extending your faith in the word, as long as you are uh, attempting to get the word to work for you, so to speak, as long as you're praying, as long as you're believing, as long as you're hoping in in the word, amen, and hoping in God's power, uh, it's, it's, it's going to work out good for you. You're pleasing God. Amen. There are some things that we need to do to show our faith. And God is looking for us to do those. So uh, faith, we know, is not just a spiritual force that we keep inside, but faith is an act. There's an action or corresponding action that comes with your faith that shows that you believe. And so we're interested in uh, the corresponding actions. We're interested in uh, examining the word to get guidance from God so that we can certainly live by faith. I always encourage people to keep your faith, as Brother Hagin would say, keep, keep the switch of faith turned on. And, and it's really more than a switch. It's an action. Amen. And, and, and many times our faith is turned off because we don't know how to keep it involved. We don't know how to keep it turned on. Because say something like that, keep it turned on, you wonder, well, what's that mean? You know, how do you turn on the switch of faith? And I think it's it's something that uh, we need to develop in our relationship with God. It's It's really good if you could find out what that means to you in your life. And uh, how you need to live before God so that you can show him your faith at all times. But also it has to do with di- different things that you experience in life and how you handle them. Do you handle everything by faith? 
and and this is very important because many times we have situations that come up and they catch us off guard. We flounder around because we don't know how to resolve it, how to handle it. And it's like you put your faith away somewhere in a, a jewelry box, you know, and tucked away until you think you need it again. And so that is not what we are to do. We are to live by faith. Everything we do is done by faith. And so if we'll understand that and we'll keep, keep the provision in our vision, you know, keep, keep something in your sights, um, in the crosshairs that you're aiming at all the time. And I think it's easy for watchmen to do that. Cause you've already, you always got prayers you're praying for somebody. So you got a built in, you know, focus target already. But also that same faith is what you use when things come up that catch you by surprise. See, it's already in your mouth and in your heart. And your faith is, is already, it's like your, 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 um, your gun barrel is loaded at all times and you're ready to pull the trigger on something that you're desiring from God. And so I think it's real good if, if when things come up, if we'll think about, well, how can I engage my faith in this so that I can at least show God I'm really sincere about my desire for this thing? You know, how do I show God my faith for something that I don't possess yet. And the easiest thing is to find something that's required in that operation that you can do now. Amen. Um, say, for instance, if you uh, are desiring a new car, what what can you do now to show God your faith that you expect him to bring it to you, to release your faith into it, so that you know he ex- you expect him to do it. Well, number one, you can ask him for it. Father, I'm, I'm thinking about a new car. Uh, let me know, you know, give me peace. I'm thinking about this brand. Um, I think this amount of money. I think this, I think that. Um, <clears throat> then the next thing most people would do would be go look for one. Amen. If, if you don't get a, a stop from God, go looking. And so I think it's real important for us to engage our faith 24-7. You know, just always be thinking, uh, what do I need to prepare for over here? And, and what do I need to prepare for over there? And if you've asked God for something, definitely thank him for it every day. Uh, that's one way to keep your faith engaged and stay in the word where that's concerned. Those are simple ways to keep your faith focused and keep it triggered, keep it ready uh, to go at any time. It's challenging sometimes to dig your faith out from under a bushel. You know, uh, say for instance, if you go car looking, this happens to people a lot, you go looking you don't find it, then your mind will start telling you things. Well, maybe God didn't say you could have it. Or maybe it's not time. 
or maybe that's not the right one, or maybe you won't get the loan, or maybe you can go and, and think like that for many, many days and bury your faith under all of those reasons and excuses. But you need to adopt the, the attitude of God. I know you said yes. You said you would give me the desires of my heart. And that's something my heart desires. And I know that it's out there for me. So I'm going to just not do anything until you move me to do it. But I'm going to keep myself busy thanking you. I'm going to keep myself busy praising you. If there's a certain color that you want, go buy some mats. You understand what I'm saying? You know, get some new car wax so that, you know, I mean, you ain't going to wax it yourself. But it's a symbol. It's a symbolic thing. You understand what I'm saying? Get a membership in a car wash. You know, they're pretty cheap. You know, that kind of stuff. Start fixing up on the one that you have. You see what I'm saying? And so there there are things that you can do to keep your faith engaged that are, are just kind of harmless things. They're not really committal. It's not like you're going putting money down on something and you're not sure that's what you're supposed to have. So these are ways to keep your hope and your faith connected. Keep it connect, keep your faith connected to something that you want in the natural. And so that you can, can gauge and know when God's bringing it to pass. That'll be your little faith project. Don't panic when you need to use your faith for something. You know, like something comes up and, and you start looking in, Where's my faith? I know it was here somewhere. I I'll remember the last time I used that. Amen. Because many times we do things in the natural and don't even realize we haven't asked invited God to the party. We haven't asked him anything to to he's the Bible still says ask. Amen. So, you know, we we we're so accustomed to claiming things and I'm not against that. But there are some times where you need to sit down and reason together with God so you can come to an understanding of what it is specifically that you need him to do for you, how he's going to do it, um, all of those things. So I'm thinking faith, the walk of faith necessitates a relationship with God. Where I think many times we look at faith as some rules, some steps and some formulas, and it doesn't really take a one-on-one discussion with God. Doesn't take a, you know, real relationship. Amen. We kind of act like we're stealing something sometimes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess the word and get it before God knows I got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't want him to know I'm wanting too much down here. You might make me really work for it, you know. We just have all these odd ideas about everything. And and we still have that in us, that carnality, that fears he will say no. That's That's the fear. With fear he will say no. When the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen, we gotta we got to meditate on that thing so that we really believe it. You gotta believe you can have anything if you ask according to his will. His word is his will. Everything in the Bible belongs to us because it all belongs to him and he gives it to us freely. 
And so I believe that if we will consider those things, faith really necessitates a relationship with God. He wants to hear from us. He wants to help us. He wants to counsel us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to teach us. And he wants to reveal to us the goodness that he has stored up for us. All of those things come with the faith relationship. So I thought it was was real good. Yesterday we went over <clears throat> in the book of Mark 11.23 about having faith in God. You're not putting faith in you. You put your faith in God. So the measure of faith that God has afforded every person that believes, amen, uh, we put it over in him. The same thing Abraham did. He believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So our faith really is our righteousness, amen. Uh, whenever you are believing God, you are considered righteous in that thing, amen. And so we need to start letting righteousness speak on our behalf. We need to start letting righteousness lead us and guide us. See, if you if you do things by faith, you'll never do anything wrong. Amen? Because what's of righteousness is never wrong. And there's no judgment against it. So that should take some of the fear out of what we, we have fear of stepping out in faith. What I call stepping out in faith. And that is just taking the word and and getting it, hiding it in our hearts, allowing God to make that word rich in us and real in us. And then just wherever that word leads you, that's where you go. It's, it's really so simple, but we can foul it up because this mind of ours will come in and begin to contradict what the word is telling us. The minute you step out and you want anything from God, the devil will start to tell you, number one, you can't have it. It ain't for people like you. You know, oh, that faith you got, that's not, well, you're not going, you'll have enough faith to do that. You know, all of the above. And so we have to learn how to draw more of our information from the invisible realm than from the visible realm. See, if the just live by faith and our faith is a walk, it's a walk into the realm of the invisible. But there's a lot of help for us over there. Once you put your faith in God, he gives you all kinds of encouragement, gives you all kinds of markers. He gives you all kinds of indicators. Amen. Uh, he'll flag you down. He'll, huh? Amen. You know, just little things. I was, when I came in today, I had been looking, I was at home and I was looking for, uh, bracelet or two to put on and I already had some black ones sitting there. I said, let me put the black ones. <laughs> I was looking for some with some silver in it, you know. And I said, I got some silver, but I don't feel like fishing for it. You know, sometimes you just, some people are so interested in jewelry, you know, and accessorizing and you understand what I'm saying? And some people are for some it's a chore. You know, I, I still have the same gold chains around my neck I had 40 years ago. You understand what I'm saying? That's my jewelry. And earrings, I don't know when I stuck them in in there. They just, 
I'm thinking I gotta change your, I don't change earrings cause I gotta fumble with these nails. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, everything's too much trouble. Yeah, everything. But I thought bracelets, I can do bracelets cause you just flipping me and flipping them up. But you gotta sort through all the different colors. Now I've color coded them several times. Now I'm not no, uh, you know what? I, I'm not no, you know, uh, what do you call it? Slob when it comes to organizing. But putting them back where they came from, different story. So here I am stumbling, fumbling. I said, I know I got some silver stuff in here somewhere. I said, nah, there's a lot of brown. There's a lot of... I got here this morning, uh, sitting on my desk. Nola has made a bracelet for me. It's got silver in it. See, that's justified people living by faith. See, I, I wasn't thinking about needing anything and asking God specifically for that. But I call that like a faith blessing. That when you live by faith and you, you please God with your faith, it's not just that thing you're praying and wishing and hoping and slobbering and snorting and carrying on for that you get. You get things that where God will show you, you please me. See, I sent that to you because you please me. With your faith that you're using for other things, you don't have to be using it for this thing. Just the fact that you please him, and he'll give you indicators, encouragers, um, markers, things that will, will show you, God brought me here. Remember he would tell the children of Israel, he said, pick up some stones. And build a, a, you know, a, a, a little, little monument here. And in, in the future, when your children come through and say, what does this mean sitting here like this? Then you can tell them, this was where we pleased God. This was where we came through and God said, I've done a mighty thing for you here in this place. And I want you to set something up. This is a marker to show that this day you please God and he came through for you. Amen. And I think that's what he does with us now in our lives. We don't do physical monuments and stuff like that pretty much. You know, that's that's for another era. But I think that there are faith markers in our lives that God puts down. And when you see it, you just smile inside. And you say, Jesus did this. Amen. He did this. Amen. And And thank him for it. But reassure yourself. That you ain't so bad after all. Amen. You, you ain't messed up as you thought you were. Amen. Because you're pleasing him and he's pointing to you and saying, you did good. I like what you do. I like how you do stuff. Amen. I like how you roll. Amen. And so I think we need to do that more. We need to, when, when David encouraged himself in the Lord, Sometimes we receive things from God and say, thank you, Jesus. You know, you need to stop and say, God, I thank you that I'm able to please you with my faith that, that you would bend down and show me that today. That you would take me aside and show me that you love me, not only love me, but you are pleased with how I operate down here. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. I think sometimes... You know, Christians, we get this false humility, this false, um, we think we're in pride when we encourage ourselves. Or, you know, when you get an answer to prayer, you know, you, you, you need to sit back and reflect with God. Now, God, I don't want to take any glory from you, 
but I really feel like I'm on the right track here. I really feel like, you know, and I want to stay on there, you know. And and I, I thank you that you showed me that you're pleased with, with what we've done. Amen. It's so important to do that because there's so much negative out here and so many opportunities that the enemy wants to take to take us down the wrong road, <clears throat> deceive us into thinking we can never please God, that we can't do anything right or, you know, especially when something you have an experience, say the first opportunity you get to use your faith on, on something that you desire and it doesn't work out. How do you respond to that? See? Well, God, I thank you that you let me use it this far. See what I'm saying? I thank you that, that I got out. Thank you that, that you let me get out and start using my faith. Amen? I, I heard somebody say that many years ago. And it when they said it, it sounded odd to me. And, and, um. I'll put it together right for you so you can understand where I'm coming from. Um, this gentleman uh, had come down. He was somebody that played golf with my husband. They had a golfer's club. And this guy's name was Sam. He was the life of the party all the time. And, uh, you know, he's just a wild man and womanizer and just crazy. Came down with uh, terminal cancer. And I found out that he had... He was Pentecostal. Amen. Uh, his, his name was Samuel Enoch. And, um, I, I found out that he, he had been separated from his wife. She forgave him. He went back there and, um, he did okay for a little bit, but you could see that he, it's like when you would pray for him, God would show up, but, you weren't sure he was expecting God to do anything. And I remember praying with him one time. They were getting ready to go on a plane to go on another um, um, golfing trip. And I took my husband to the airport. And when I went in, Sam was there. And so I went up to him. I said, Sam, how you doing? He had lost a ton of weight. And um, he said, he said, could you pray with me? He said, I want to make it on this trip. He said, he said, that's the only thing I want. I want to make it on this trip and I want to be healthy enough to enjoy myself. And so we prayed right there in the airport and he lifted his hands and he said, God, I thank you for allowing me to use my faith. Now see, for somebody who've been backslidden, that's a big number. Amen. But it's a big number for those of us who walk with him. Amen. You know, it's not like we don't mess up and <clears throat> have to repent and have to confess our sins. But, you know, he was somebody kind of like, you know, got rebellious against God and, and that kind of thing. But he was thankful that God allowed him to use his faith. You know, I thought to myself, I thought, I said, sounds strange. I said, everybody uses their faith. And then after a while, when I got alone and, and God started ministering to me about it, he said, he said, see, that's the fate of the backslider. He said, their salvation, even their existence is always in jeopardy. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so whenever God shows mercy, 
Something to rejoice about. Amen. Even if you walk with God, your your right relationships in good standing with God, whenever God extends his hand toward you to to step into his kingdom and to to do kingdom operations, it's a privilege. You know, it's a privilege. I know a lot of times we you know, we crab about things and this ain't right and that's not right and we can go on and on. But you gotta, you gotta realize what a privilege it is. I know many of us have not been to doctors for real in years. You understand what I'm saying? Or if something, if you, you hurt, you don't have to go to a minute clinic and with some other places. Yeah, that kind of stuff. You could, yeah, urgent care. You can come to the altar. You can stay in the word. Most of you are, are self ministering healing to yourselves. Amen. Because you can get in your own words. You can pray your own prayer of faith and, and save yourself a lot of toil and trouble and turmoil just by, you know, and then many things we don't even pay attention to. Take no thought. Amen. Consider not. We live in that realm where you can have a pain that, that maybe used to use to investigate it and think about it and wonder where it came from until it bugged you till you had to go somewhere and tell somebody to help you. Many times we just shrug things off now because we, we walk in a realm of healing every day. See, the children's bread is healing. We have a daily bread of healing. We just do. And, and as long as you're engaged in God's kingdom, as long as you walk with Him and you walk by faith, healing courses through your body continually. It's just always there. Cause the healer lives in you. And so many times we'll just lift our hands and say, Father, I thank you that I'm healed and whole. I thank you that healing virtue is flowing through me. See, that's a benefit of living by faith, of the walk of faith. Every walk is a health walk. Every walk is a healed walk. Every step is a healed step. Amen? Because God is actively working in us. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. Jesus said, the Father works, and hitherto I work. They all be working. Amen? And it works for us. What do you think they're working for? They're working for us. Amen? To bring us back into wholeness, bring us back into soundness, to redeem us, cause us redeemed, amen. So our redemption was brought, uh, bought at Calvary. Uh, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the broken law, amen. <clears throat> when the law is broken, that's when the curse was levied, amen. But we're redeemed, we'll pull... We have been plucked out of that power. So the curse has no more power on us. Amen. It, it has been broken by the power of the blood. And so when we walk through life, we just reiterate what's already been done. Amen. You know, like we'll pray and we say, I'll break the curse of so-and-so in the name of Jesus. Well, if that curse hadn't been broken already at Calvary, you couldn't do anything. See what I'm saying? But see, you're releasing your faith in what he did onto this situation right here. Amen. So, so we, we do break curses. We have the authority 
to release that curse power from people so that they can be healed. They can be delivered. Amen. They can be whole and they can be sound. And so when we, we understand that, uh, in redemption, the reason faith is a walk, redemption happens little bit by little bit. We don't get it all at one time. Even though by faith we can receive everything that we need and anything that we need. But you don't possess it in the natural realm all at one time. You have access to it. You have the freedom to request it. You have the freedom to claim it once you have prayed and, and received it. Amen. But in redemption, there's there's more to it really than just getting things, getting stuff, being happy. You know, um, all of the above, even though that's part of it. Redemption really has to do with the purchase, excuse me, the purchase of our souls from the power of darkness. And if you think about what it takes to get a prayer answered, you'll understand how important that is. Because Romans 12 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And renewing your mind is part of the redemptive process. Amen. Uh, you're, you're redeemed from the curse of the broken law, which means that sickness can't stick to you. You don't go to hell. The devil can't have a, a field day in your life. Your loved ones are secured, protected. Everything that you own is secured and protected. Amen. So that you don't lose anything. You're nothing missing, nothing broken. You you have a right to live in peaceful security every single day because the curse is broken. Amen. Curse is what makes life hard. You know, you struggle a lot. It's like many times sinners will always live in fear they're gonna lose everything. That thought never happens. It don't it, it never occurs to me as a believer. I don't know about you, but you don't walk around every day looking at your your table and hanging hanging on to it and scared you're going to lose it. And you understand what I'm saying? But many times people who aren't saved live like that. They're always getting insurance on something, you know. Um, it, somebody was asking me one time if I, did you need insurance on that? It was something stupid. I said, no, I pray too much to. It wasn't really stupid, but it was something that costs a lot of money. Is like a, an appliance or something, and one appliance was like $150 a year. I said to myself, boy, I can buy a lot of paper so we can copy some tracks and newsletters. I can do a lot with that 150 a year. I said, no, nah, I pray too much. That's what my faith is for. I said, my stuff don't break down. They just looked at me because the average person says, "Oh yeah, yeah, I don't want nothing to break down." I you? I figure if God led me and I bought the right stuff and I obey, it ain't breaking down. Good grief! You don't go spend your money on something and be scared it ain't right. See, that's what your faith is for. Amen. Faith is for to make it right. It's for to make it right. So, you know, I, I eventually bought 
one of those contracts, you pay like $50 a month. It covers every appliance in your house. You know, those make sense because I thought $50, hmm, I can't get a refrigerator for that. I can't get, (laughs) you know, any of these go belly up, but I still live by faith with them. You know, I'm not going to be calling them people every other week trying to get them out there. I I want my stuff to work. And so some things make sense to do, but some things really don't make sense. And you can use your faith instead, amen. And and use your faith all the time because it's it's going to do you good. It's to live by faith is always a good decision to do. So uh, Galatians, we said we are redeemed from the curse of the broken law. When you, as a believer, break the law, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins cleanse you from all unrighteousness so we we step back into the blessing side of our covenant with god when we confess our sins we are careful to please god with our conduct our attitude our the attitude in your heart what you believe what you think um it's it's called walking in harmony fellowship communion so our walk of faith is also to develop that fellowship and that communion with God that um, strengthens us, encourages us, keeps us on the right road. I don't know about you, but I still feel bad when I don't do the right thing. <laughs> Amen. But God has made a way for me and taught me how to bring it to him immediately. He's not, he's not impressed with us feeling bad forever about something, you know. He's more impressed with us partaking of what's provided, you know, that provision of forgiveness and cleansing from all unrighteousness. And see, when we're cleansed, that's when we do Him the most good. Not when you're sitting somewhere feeling bad about what you did. But when you're cleansed, that's when you can have fellowship with Him. He can send you out and, and minister for him. He can encourage you in, in the things that you're believing him for. All of that comes into play when you stand in your righteousness. And so I think it's a good thing to always understand that the walk of righteousness is part of the walk of faith. Is staying close to God. Don't let anything separate you from his love. Don't let anything come in there and tell you a lie about him or something that maybe you think he's not pleased with. Amen. He's pleased with us all the time. Amen. He really, really is. He's not. He has such faith in us. You know, you can't say God's disappointed in you or discouraged by you or any he doesn't have any emotions like that for his children he just has faith for us because he knows the faith is more powerful he knows what he needs to do to get you up and straighten you out and get you back on track amen he knows what we're gonna do and so that's what he's he's focused on more is our present our future, our abilities, our potential. Um, sometimes what's been done in the past, we can build on that. Good things that we've done, things that we've learned. 
how God has used us, how he wants to continue to use us, all of that. He's got more confidence in that than anything we do wrong. He forgets our wrongs long before we do. Amen. We tend to hold on to things or sometimes we have this this flip thing in our minds where we don't even acknowledge that we might be displeasing to him in something. See, we're we're so do and don't oriented. I don't do this, I don't do that. We got our 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 seven cardinal nonsense that we do. Amen. <laughs> and and we think because we're living in the do's and the don'ts of obedience that that's pleasing to him. What about your expectation? Have you checked in with him on your expectation? Maybe he's expecting great things from you and you're refusing to think that he is. Huh? You think that's pleasing? See, it's the spiritual things that get us in trouble with God. It's not the, I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't smoke. Well, oops, I did cuss that one time, but I didn't mean it. So-and-so provoked me, they made me. I said I was sorry. You know. See, we can go on and on and on down that road. But what about God putting more expectation on us? Me with my one hour a day praying in tongues. I've been keeping up, y'all. Yesterday I was a little busy, but I, I put in some more, more tongues at bedtime, you know, as I drifted off into sleep and, and tomorrow and today I'll do better. You understand what I'm saying? But I know that's something that he requires. See, everything is not a voluntary when you serve God. There are things that are required. I know we don't like to live like that, do we? But there's there's things that he is expecting us to be able to do. Number one, he's in once he's invested his spirit in you, he's entitled to draw dividends off of that investment. He's entitled to direct you where to go to use that anointing that he's given you. Amen. And so once you understand the total commitment that we have in God, the total um, purchase, you'll understand that redemption is something that happens um, as, as God, as we walk with God, we become more like him. That has to be true. That has to be something we expect. And when I say more like him, I'm not talking about from our perspective. But I'm talking about just giving him the freedom to tell us, you know, what we need, what he's focusing on for us right now. Do you ever ask God, God, what do I, what are you focusing on? How are you changing me? What, what are you doing for me and in me that's, that's causing me to be more like you every day? Cause you need to know so you can cooperate with it. See, people lose interest in God because they stay at the same level for too long. Everything in the kingdom is now, man. It's happening. It's where it's at, as they used to say back in the day. Um, 
And then we can get complacent and think, well, you know, God's just up to the same old, same old. I don't think so. I think he's ever-changing us, amen? We're conforming to his glorious image. There are things that, assets that he wants to impart to us, challenges that he wants to put forward for us. All of those things, and in what it takes is not more power, <laughs> more anointing, <laughs> more of God. It takes a submission to him, in developing us in our character, the part that's more like him. See, and that's the hard part, because that's where you really got to lay down your life. And you got to continue to walk with him, even though it might be a, a more of a challenge. He's more interested in our innards than our outards. Amen. The outer, he, he, you can just receive many things by faith. You know, um, material things, you know, houses, cars, relationships, even marriages, children, family, things of that nature. Um, you can just receive some of those. I mean, I, I'm not real sure people really pray about a lot of stuff in the natural. You know, you want a dress, you find some money, you go get it. You know, you, you know, you want to get married, you find somebody. You go get married. You want to have a baby, you go ahead and, and have children. You know, that kind of stuff. Very seldom do people stop and get a vision from God for their whole life before they step into things. See? And so, but see, God does have a vision for our lives. So at some point, that vision has to be addressed. See? And God can tap on our shoulder anytime he wants to and begin to reveal that vision to us and then begin to do the work in us that's required to equip us to do what's in that vision. See, sometimes it's, you know, some of us are real good at soul winning. We just don't do it often enough. See, it's almost like we carry this checklist around with us, and once we checked ourselves off on that, it's like we don't see that as something that's, it's life-changing for people to be born again. Still is, always will be. And many times as believers, we just don't zero in. God, you told me how to win souls. This is something I could do on a regular basis for you. Show me how to work with you. So that we can partner together and I can be available to tell people about you. I remember talking to people when I was newly saved about Jesus and being born again. And it was like, well, sometimes people heard you and then people said, no, I'm satisfied the way I am, you know. But I learned after a while that there were certain things that that the older preachers called dinner bells. Amen. Like healing is a dinner bell. Finances is a dinner bell. Praying for people is a dinner bell. So I learned how to put away trying to get a commitment because many times you don't have enough to to be able to share with people right then and there for them to receive Christ. But you can always ring the dinner bell. Can I pray with you? You need prayer for something? Most people say, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Especially if the anointing, the presence of God's on you. People are reluctant to push him away. 
If you let him lead, they're reluctant to push him away. You know, if you see somebody who's obvious that that they're not well, you know, I really want to pray for you. You know, God's, I, I pray for people and God heals them. You know, uh, I'm a believer and, and the Bible says that believers will do stuff like that. Can I pray for you? I, I know God wants you well. Well, who wouldn't want that if they're sick, you see? And so when you, when you partner with God, you search out things that are nuggets and, and valuable. You search out the riches. And you hold on to those and you begin to build your, your everyday existence around them. See, you build your life around the things that God has imparted to you and the things that he designed for you to have. And so soul winning is so a part of the believer's ministry that we need to understand that God wants us to perfect that more and more. You know, like never put it away. Never, never stop doing it. Amen. I, I can remember, I'm trying to think, I think it was Noel I was driving by. This was years ago. We were, um, didn't we have a meeting up Fair Hill or something like that? And I remember her honking her horn. I think it was a car next to her, but we were going down Fairhill. And she honked her horn and somebody looked over and she waved a track out the, out her window. And, and dropped that track on them. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, sometimes the desire to see the world saved consumes you. But see, that consumption can be short-lived. Because I don't want to put you on the spot, but when's the last time you flagged somebody down with, <laughs> no, see, <laughs> but see, it, he wants us to be like that all the time on fire, you know, so the fire goes out, we got to light ourselves again, the fire goes out, got to light ourselves again, but, but while we have that zeal, I just know God is so pleased with us, you know, but he knows he's got to do some inner refining in us. To keep that fire going all the time. Cause it, it, it can burn you out, you know, if you're not aware that, that you need to have some refining, you know, you need to be able to lay it down for a minute and ask God when to pick it up again. Um, or if you don't lay it down, God, you know, I think we can do more with this. You know, if you want me to, is it time to do more? Is it time for us to go back to the drawing board and get an understanding of of what what needs to be done so I can have a greater capacity for this stuff? Amen. I remember when we first started um, um, when the nine eleven happened and we had decided we were going to pray for the troops. That's what everybody did, and but God led us in a way where we felt we could be more effective. And so it's good to pray, and we did pray. But then there's a seeking God. God, this is such a, a horrible thing that happened to this country. Um, we want to want to see soldiers protected. We wanna, There were many things we were praying for. And God led us to to print bookmarks. 
Well, printing them's one thing, but then getting them out there with people is something different. See? But see, if you have enough faith to take the first step, he'll give you the rest of it. And so we were able to, just in contacting people that we knew from ministry, social media, different organizations, um, it's been how many years now? 20 years? 9, 11? Oh, 10. Uh, how, Shannon? 2001, I'm sorry, yeah. See, yeah, over a hundred thousand. You see what I'm saying? And so, glory to God for that. And, but see, God, when He gives you something to do, He will carry it so much farther if you'll, you'll let Him in. I think that's the thing. We don't let Him in. We don't let Him in far enough. We, now, if somebody had said a hundred thousand back then, I would have said, oh, really? You know, I mean, where was my faith? But your faith is for right then and right there. And then pretty soon we, we got maybe 5,000 printed. Then we went to 10. Then we went to 50. You see what I'm saying? And we're still distributing them. Amen. Because they still, that word still protects Psalm 91 and, and now Psalm 23 with it. We did 91 exclusively, but 23 with it. And so you, you have to see yourself as developing your faith on a continual basis. Just over and over and over again, developing your faith, taking it to a higher level, expanding it so that it's um, generating glory for God. It's what he wants it to be and not so much what you want it to be. You know, we all have an idea. Sometimes we have ideas that are big, but they may not be God. And sometimes we have small ideas and God has a bigger one. So walking by faith entails communing with him, connecting with him, so that we don't miss this opportunity for redemption to take place. See, your soul has to be redeemed into thinking more like God every day in order for this process to be right. And see, God may challenge us. To drop some ways of behaving and thinking. And come over here and let me show you something that maybe you may not have considered before, but it's important for you. You know, it, in, in being more like Him is, it's, it's the bottom line. is conforming more. Uh, having that mind of Christ that's able to, uh, Come up with the ideas, the wonderful ideas that God wants to put into the earth. The things that he wants us to do and how he wants us to do them. It takes a body. It takes all of us. Amen. Because I don't have all the answers. Not one person ever does. But, you know, your corner of it, develop your corner as much as you can. Get the maximum out of what God has given you. And, and that way you please him. And that way you keep your faith engaged. You know, you always have a faith project going on. Always have something that you know God's going to be pleased with. Always, you know, God, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this here and there. Several years ago, when, when book publishing got to be less expensive, I kind of put it in my heart to do a book regularly, you know. And uh, then I said, well, once a year, you know, you do one a year. And then some years went by and I didn't do it, but... I, 
I didn't feel in God that it was wrong not to do them every year. Just make sure you have something that he wants you to say. And so I would go before him and say, well, God, what do you want me to do? And and uh, we were doing good with with editing the sermons because they turn into books too. I mean, it's stuff that you've you've read. But then I thought, I said, well, God, I said, that's so easy to edit a sermon. I said, I need something to challenge me to do a little more study and be a little more creative. And I had always thought I would never write a book about women in the Bible because there's so many of them out there. And then he moved on me to do that. Amen. And amen. And thank you. And and it was a challenge for me because I had to start from scratch, make an outline, you know, and all of this. And what do I say? And what do I want to say? And is there anything new here? That's always my thing. I don't want to be totally redundant from what everybody else is doing. And is there anything new here? And I had read somewhere I think it was some years ago, somebody had had said that they believed that Bathsheba had written Proverbs 31. And I thought to myself, I said, I tell you what I thought in my brain, (laughs) because it ain't polite. I said, really? And when you read it, of course that's who it is. It's Solomon's mother giving him sound advice. And see, You've got to, we got to learn how to get people out of our heads in the wrong space. See, you can't park Bathsheba over in the carnal column because she's blood bought. I mean, you know, she's, she's a daughter of Israel. Amen. So you can't park her over in there. You got to put her over in the column with the righteous. And so when you categorize people correctly, you can receive the right understanding. And I began to read Proverbs 31 very, very differently after that. And I thought, here's a woman trying to guide her son in the right way. And she's giving it her best because he's a king. So you look at it and you realize this is written to a a young boy who's a future king by a mother who wants him to be successful. So I would say that that qualifies for any man who walks the earth. If, if you can, can see yourself regarding women in Proverbs 31 and taking that advice, you can rise to any height in life. And your, who you marry won't stop you. Who you marry will actually help you. Amen. And so I thought that's, that's amazing. She left that instruction for him, not just for him, but every young man that, that reads the Bible can know how valuable a good woman is. And I thought, now how would she know that? She was a good woman. She made one mistake that was notorious, but she is a good woman. She was a good Hebrew girl. When she went and visited David, she was being obedient to the king. She could have been killed if she said no. You got me? And so these are things that, and, and you can, you can have bad experiences, but they don't have to, you don't have to live them. They, you don't have to wear them for the rest of your life. See? And I, I had to sit there and say, Lord, I repent. I said, all I do is say, David and Bathsheba, David and Bathsheba, you know, you, 
stupid stuff. And you don't really know these people. See, redemption will cause you to want to know people like God knows them. Amen. Everything God does, he does through people who sin. But are forgiven. Amen. So, amen. It's good news all the time. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 12.2 tells us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So, he begins it and he ends it. Amen. Began it from the foundation of the earth. He he said, I'll do it. <laughs> Council of Heaven said, uh, the man that we create is going to sin. Uh, we need to have a remedy for that. Who's going to do it? Amen. And Jesus volunteered. And so he gave his life there in a legal setting, in a legal way. And then it was acted out in the earth realm. After he came. And so as the author and finisher of our faith. He has given us a faith. That can do everything that he did and more. Whenever you see him teaching on Mark eleven twenty three, Have faith in God. He's given us the God kind of faith. So he started us out with an extraordinary faith. It's not a faith that goes away, is is overtaken and overthrown, it's invincible. There's no power greater. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will never fail. And so with him being the beginner and the ender of our faith, the author and the finisher, we have a an inheritance that we can claim. Amen. We have many things that we can lay hold of. Because of what he has done for us. So as the author and finisher, whenever we engage our faith with him, there's a completion that has to come. That's why he he's not moved when you get mad because your answer isn't here yet. Because this ain't your faith you're working with anyway. And you have no clue what it can do. So he's willing to work with you. To get you to understand what manner of spirit you are of. Amen. And so he begins by showing us how faith works. He says it works by confessing with your mouth what you believe in your heart. But it comes when you hear my word. So if you'll spend time listening to my word. What gets down in your heart and you blab it out of your mouth, amen, then you can have that. You have salvation like that. You have healing like that. Everything that we have, we have by the, the, the listening to the word of God till it develops faith that can take expression in our words. Amen. Now you can quote scripture, you can say the word. And it may not avail you much, but don't quit saying it. Because you're in process. You know, when children are learning to talk, they have to have an interpreter. (laughs) 
So a good mother will stand there and watch them. They say, oh, Lord, have mercy. Okay, we'll, we'll say, that. okay. And they very intently, you know, to make sure. Why? They want to encourage your speech. You don't have a mother that said, go sit down and shut up. Well, you might do that every now and then. All that baby battle, I got a headache today. I can't take it today. Am I right, Poppy? <laughs> but you go back again and you encourage them because you want to encourage speech. That's why Jesus doesn't ever discourage our faith when we're using our faith, even if it's just minuscule. Because he's the author and he got to finish it off. Amen. Uh, he might think to himself one time, I sure wish they get it right. You understand what I'm saying? But, but he encourages your faith. You can't see a person in the Bible that started off messed up, toe up from the flow up, asking, begging, crying, lying, denying, amen, that he didn't work with them. Cause there was some spark of faith in there that he felt he could work at. Faith is really akin more to desire. And wanting things. So when he, when people came up to him wanting things, that was kind of like a crack. Uh, enough, there's usually enough faith on there to put a crack in the door. You know what I'm saying? Just to open the door just a little bit. He never, at once that door is open a little bit, he encourages that. He'll push it open the rest of the way for you or lead you in a way that you begin to express it in a way that he can honor it and it'll do the job. Amen. Because many times faith is mixed with a little unbelief, a little doubt, a little reluctance. It's not always real bold and confident. But even if it's not real bold and confident, he works with it. He works with even a little bit of it. When you see where Jesus could not do, it, it says couldn't do Many. He did some stuff. He There was always enough faith there for him to work and do something. Amen. He, he would marvel sometimes at people's unbelief because they would sit there adamant that they weren't going to listen and they weren't going to yield and they weren't going to com- comply. They weren't going to do the right thing. They would be adamant about that. Like the Pharisees. The religious crowd always know everything already. You can't tell them nothing. Hmm? And so when you run into that brick wall, you can't do much. But even in a religious crowd, there's some little lady that wants her son healed. There's somebody that's got a little headache that wants to be alleviated of that headache. And so they say he couldn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. But there was faith there for him to do something for somebody. A little something, something. Amen. And so he always preached and he taught. He never went in cold trying to lay hands on people. The Bible says he preached and taught and healed them. Amen. So once the preaching and the teaching is done, there's nothing left but you to say, I want. You understand what I'm saying? And so when Jesus begins to work with our faith, he takes into account that we may start out kind of small. We might start out with a lot of doubt and a lot of fear 
and a, re- a lot of reluctance to release our faith. I don't know what it is about releasing faith that gets everybody in a corner sometimes. We don't want to pray. We don't want to say it. We don't, that doesn't sound right when I say it. You know, that kind of thing. And so your first attempts at releasing your faith are pretty miserable. Because I know mine were. Amen. But look how Jesus has worked with all of us through the years. Amen. So it's up to him to finish our faith. It's not up to us. That's his job. And so as we walk, we are not walking alone. This walk of faith is not on you only. You have a companion. You have a helper. You have the comforter. You have the paraclete. You have the strengthener. You have the counselor, the teacher. Amen. And, and so you have a lot of help. When, when Jesus is authoring and finishing our faith, he's obligated to help us if we run out of steam. You know, you, you, I'm tired. How many times have we said that? I'm tired of confessing the word and don't say, see nothing. Then one day it showed up and you're quite shocked. Huh? But the reason it showed up is he kept working with you beyond your tired. Amen. He wasn't discouraged by your tired. Amen. So, so we have to understand that we, we, he is responsible. To complete our faith. And only he knows where our faith is taking us. He's the only one who knows where our faith is taking us. Amen. So one of the most difficult challenges in believing. Is believing and not doubting. Because doubt will come. Until we work at it and extinguish it. Amen. Doubt in your heart. Will rob you. Of that promise. But there's doubt in the heart. And there's doubt in the head. So always express. You know some people will say. Well how do I know which is which. Well just keep saying what's in your heart. You won't have to worry about what's in your head. I'll say it again. Always express what's in your heart. And you won't have to worry about what's in your head. Because doubt in your head. Can be. Your old memories, your old experiences, your old, <clears throat> you know, any any idea that comes to you, it might even be something you listen to too much and is starting to speak to you and try to tell you that God isn't working on your behalf. Amen. Uh, or it can be just the straight out devil coming to tell you it ain't for you and you know, don't do this and so forth and so on. But if you will continue on as though that's not there and continue to express what's in your heart, you'll get there. Amen. So the doubt in the head can come anytime. One of the examples I, I can think of in the Bible, remember when they prayed for Peter in the house? Uh, people in the house were praying for him. While they're praying, the angel goes and gets him out of jail. He shows up at the gate, and the girl just came out of prayer and thought it wasn't him. She slammed slammed the gate back in his face, and she said, "Well, we've been praying for Peter, but somebody out there looking. I think it's his ghost because I think he's dead." Now she in there praying for a dead man. But somebody's prayer got answered. And it was probably hers. 
because your head can tell you a lot of things. You know, you when you pray for something, many times you don't expect it immediately. Huh? Oh, Peter, get in here. I'm going to slap you. Come rushing up on me like this. We just pray for you. You know, a lot of people ain't going to react like that. Because they're not going to be expecting that that's Peter. They'd be just like Rhoda. You know, she's, oh, I don't know who that is. I think that's his, his ghost. Huh? Corporate prayer. Some people are invested. It, it's It's the corporate thing. Is everybody's faith mixed together? Sometimes you need that for certain things to happen. Amen. And, and so, yeah, they got Peter out of jail, but nobody was their head that, see, that's doubt in your head. Her head was telling her that wasn't Peter. Even though her heart was expecting at some point he would show up. See, a lot of times you, you, you gotta get your time off your prayer. Because there must have been somebody in there believing that he could get out immediately or any time or didn't have a time vision in front of him for when it would happen. See, the best thing is to, to just say, well, Lord, I thank you that you've heard my prayer and I believe this can happen any time. Because I believe now. I know you heard me now. I have it now. And I know you're going to do it now. Amen. And that opens the door for, for God to have the freedom to bring it any time. Amen. And if you continue to expect it in a now fashion, don't, don't put it off somewhere where, you know, you, you can, you can slough off for seven or ten days before you pick back up thanking God for it. You know, we're responsible for, for, you know, praying according to God's will. And faith is now. Faith believes it's done now. Faith believes you have it now. Faith believes you possess it now. So we start thanking him for our stuff now. Amen. Mr. Diller did not 2022, but now it's moved up. See what, you see what I'm saying? It's now. God now. I'm, I'm putting my, my hand to the plow now and I, I believe it's coming now. You're going to put somebody in my path now that's going to be the right person for me. And so we have to get in step with God. When you say now, you give God all the time. You give him control of time. See, that's when you give him control of time. And that's when it works best is when you can expect it to happen at any time. Amen. Sometimes we look at things and they look pretty daunting to us because it just seems like things go backwards before they go forward. Well, I go over and talk to them other people across the street. Everybody in here guilty. Amen. You think, you know, for, for one thing, you, you think it should happen immediately and then you get involved in it. You say, man, this thing is not as close as I was hoping it was. You understand what I'm saying? Or how did I get here? So, so, you know, you, there's a shock that comes when we realize it ain't going to be a speedy thing. And then just like there's a shock that comes when it happens speedily, there's the other shock that happens when it don't happen when we think it's supposed to happen. So that's head doubt. Amen. Doubt in your head. Amen. 
And many times we have to check ourselves because if, if you are depending on natural faith for things, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be up and down. You're, you're going to be here, there and everywhere. You have to keep your faith out there for things to happen now. Amen. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes people say things like, well, you know, we don't have any openings right now. But we'll have some in three months. So what you do is unconsciously, you start incorporating that three month into your thinking and it will create doubt in your heart that it will happen now. See, you don't take man's word for when something that you're asking God for is going to happen. Amen? You got to keep it over in faith in God. Because if God says faith is now, you have it now, believe me now, it's yours now, that now is real. That's more real than the the person telling you in three months we'll have an opening. His now is more real than that. You know what you do when you go home? Lord, if that's my job, make them give it to me now. When I get home, tell them to call me now. Put me at the head of the list now. And go to the next place and put in your next application. You know, don't get stuck there. I've, I've seen people do stuff. Well, God told me this is my job and they quit looking for it. Well, you quit sowing seeds of faith into any, into your future. If that is your job, he knows how to not let them other people call you or what, you know, put him in charge of things. Like he knows what he's doing. Amen. Like he's God. <laughs> He can, he can handle that. Amen. Sometimes we get legalistic about things. You know, it, it's like, uh, you get a prophecy and after you get it, you're more messed up in your mind than you were before you got it. Huh? Where do I put this one? Huh? And so we, we have to understand that Jesus is in charge of our faith. You're not in charge of it. You might contaminate it, mess it up fail at it, whatever, you know, we do those things. But but we have to understand that Jesus is in charge of our faith. We are joint heirs with him. We co-partner with him in these things, amen? And so he is there to help our faith. He will never hurt it. He will never step on it and say it's not good enough and go back where you came from. He will always, he's so easy to get along with in the area when you bring your faith to the party. Amen. So, so believe God. Amen. Let this be a walk. Don't get impatient. But, but believe now. See, now is not an impatient word. It may seem like it is because it has such power in the realm of the spirit but saying you have it now that's not a sign of impatience that's a sign that you believe God's word he said believe you receive it when you pray and you'll have it amen and so you have to believe you have it now or other than that you're just hoping you have something amen or you're wondering about when it'll come about. No, you have it now. I've done what he told me to do. I've done the most I can do, and I have it now. Amen? All right, why don't we stop. Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you for the privilege of now faith. It is now. I thank you, Lord, that our souls are converted now. 
we don't have to live in the doubts and the uh, worries and wonderings and wanderings of the doubtful mind anymore. We can live in that realm where we know we have it now. We have everything that we desire now. We have faith now. We have hope now. We have encouragement now. Everything that we desire is there for us in the now. Thank you, Lord, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Everything that we need comes from you, and we're so thankful. We couldn't have a better manager in our lives than you, Lord, and we thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. We owe for our time of fellowship. Bless our bread and our water. Take sickness from the midst of us. We honor you, Lord, and we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God and amen again. Amen, amen, amen. Anybody need prayer? Come on up and I'll pray for you.